0: Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis from Elsevier, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the pandemic and beyond.
1: Hi everybody, I'm Michael Carice. One of our favorite themes here at Osmosis in the healthcare space is how technology can help people become better informed about their own health, allowing them to participate more actively in maintaining and improving it. Well, today on Raise the Line, we're going to take a deeper look at that issue with the help of Carol Lucarelli, Executive Director of Marketing and E-Commerce at Omron Healthcare, a global leader in remote blood pressure monitoring and personal health technology. During her time at the company, Carol has led the marketing initiatives for numerous product innovations, including VitalSight, which is Omron's first remote patient monitoring service. Looking forward to talking to her about the current healthcare landscape in terms of remote monitoring and what she sees coming down the road. And thanks very much for joining us today.
0: It's a pleasure to join you, Michael. Thanks for having me.
1: So we always start with trying to find out more about how folks got where they are uh, and get some career highlights. So what eventually led you to your current role?
0: Well, I've always been focused on marketing, so always in touch with pairing consumers with stuff in some way, shape or form. And I spent a number of years earlier in my career in the office products industry. And what I found is that I had a, a tremendous passion for whatever it was I was selling and marketing. And let's just say the same passion that I had for paper clips, I'm able to <laughs> build on that and landed at, at Omron. And I'm I'm really happy to be in the healthcare space because it's something that you can certainly see the difference that you make in the world. And I think Omron is an organization guided by the Omron principles. So we challenge ourselves, we wanna contribute to society, we have respect for all. Those three pillars really speak to the organization and the good that we're doing in the world. Can you
1: help us understand more about Omron and the, the role that your company plays in this space? It's obviously a big piece of the healthcare story.
0: Definitely. Well, we're this year, 2023, we're actually celebrating 50 years of leadership in the heart health space. And we're not just focused on heart health or healthcare in general. a Corporation, mar- much larger organization involved in sensors. What we do in the healthcare space is we take those sensors and we put them to use for us for patients, for healthcare practitioners, and really we try to help physicians and their patients establish a great dialogue about how they can improve their health. So we have a line of blood pressure monitors and scales that we group under Heart Health. We have products in other categories as well, like pain management, TENS devices. Uh, nebulizers for respiratory care. But our our intention in being in this space is to really bring tools to the market, whether those are devices or services supported by, you know, our knowledge in the space, our leadership in the space, and really create that great dialogue that allows patients and their clinicians to move things forward so that everyone is able to live their healthiest lives.
1: Yeah. And obviously, technological advances have made this kind of two-way communication much, much easier and more prevalent. So help us understand what those advances have been and how you think it's impacting individuals and healthcare system at large. I mean, there's a lot of talk about moving healthcare home and hospital in the home and and all that sort of thing. Is that sort of overstating it, do you think?
0: I don't think so. I think there are individuals in this space that refer to us all as health citizens, and I think that is an incredible way to phrase things. We want individuals to take responsibility for understanding what ails them and be part of the, the care plan to get better. It will benefit them, certainly. But, you know, if you compare our healthcare system to those in other countries, we're fortunate that we've got access to clinicians. We're very fortunate that we don't have to wait usually eight, nine months to get to see a specialist. We have that ability within our system. And I think what we end up doing is because of the payer-clinician relationships and how everything gets paid for. One of the challenges that we've got is that clinicians have less and less time with patients. So if there's a way to bridge that by making sure that you have access to tools that allow you to get good data in that home setting, that allow you to have a a way to communicate easily what you're seeing on those home devices or through those services, to share that with your clinicians you've got that continuity of care whether you're at their office unfortunately in a hospital or if you know if if you're at home it's all connected and i think that sharing that data through the likes of emrs or or whatever but getting sound data those those statistics the, the vitals that that the clinicians depend upon and getting those into their hands with the things that we saw emerge as a result of the pandemic, telehealth, remote patient monitoring, taking off, accelerating, all of that's going to be of benefit to not only the patients, but the the care teams as well.
1: Yeah, and I think the word continuity is what jumps out at me and what you were just talking about because, you know, all the time between visits is really where things can either succeed or fail. And so if the providers are getting more constant look at what's actually happening, they can probably tell, well, maybe they're not following the treatment plan or there's been some other hiccups and we, they can sort that out before the patient comes back, you know, to the next appointment and nothing's happened. <laughs> you know, but there's been no improvement, right? Exactly. Exactly. So one of the things that I really was interested in when I was uh, reading up on the company's this campaign of going for zero, which refers to having no cardiovascular disease, respiratory issues, and life-limiting chronic pain. I'm sure I speak for everybody when I say, I hope you're successful with that. That's a great, <laughs> great goal. So what's the idea behind that? I mean, you know, to what extent do you folks think that all heart attacks, strokes, et cetera, are preventable?
0: Well, if, if you listen to what the American Heart Association says, 80%. Are preventable and it all starts with knowing your numbers. And so I want to, I want to pause for just a second. Going for zero, you referenced it as a campaign for us. It is our mission. Going for zero, the elimination of heart attack and stroke is really what, what we're aiming to do. So if you think that 80% is of, of those cardiovascular events are truly preventable by looking at the signs you need what do you need to make that happen you need to monitor not just to take a blood pressure reading every once in a while it is truly a commitment to monitoring so the same way you know in my idyllic world everybody's got probably a scale in their house Everyone should really have a toothbrush in their house. I want everyone to have a blood pressure monitor. I want everybody to get in this very regular habit of monitoring their blood pressure. Take your readings two to three times a day or whatever's recommended by your clinician, understand what those numbers mean and be able to notice changes. We know that people who maintain a certain lifestyle, whether they're active or sedentary, whether they're, they have a, a history of heart disease or not, depending on their diet or, you know, healthy or not, all of those things impact your blood pressure readings. And so the idea that there is a, a normal range as identified by the American College of Cardiology and the American Heart Association, it's going to vary slightly from, from patient to patient. So if you know, based on conversations that you've had with your clinician, if you know what your normal is, and you can identify that I'm seeing some things that are out of that range, you can pick up the phone, you can send a message through an app or whatever. You contact your, your healthcare you know, team and you say, I'm noticing something out of the ordinary. That's, that's how we prevent 80%. Right. The other 20 is going to be a little more interesting. It's going to require a little more work. Certainly, all of those things that I just mentioned certainly factor into a person's risk. Other disease states, comorbidities certainly have an impact on that remaining 20%. But if you can attack 80% of those cardiovascular events and start to put them, make those, make it the exception rather than the rule. I think we're, we're off to a fantastic start.
1: Yeah. And talk about information being power, you know, as you're saying, if you're consistent about it and you know your own apples to apples comparison, even a slight change can really be a good tip off.
0: Agreed. Yeah. Definitely.
1: So how is AI, everybody wants to talk about AI all the time. How is that being Deployed in the remote monitoring space and in your situation at on well
0: we've we actually about let me think at least eighteen maybe twenty four months ago we entered into an agreement with kyoto university so amran is headquartered in japan so we have many friends at kyoto university across the variety of businesses that we're in but specifically in the healthcare space they've embarked on a series of studies that uh, will help us better understand how a can play a role in this idea of preventing these these cardiovascular events. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we got to a point five or 10 years down the road where we could say, we are at a point now where we can understand the signs if you're engaged in daily monitoring of your of your blood pressure and you understand all of the, the impacts, all of the activities rather, that impact your, your blood pressure on a daily basis, And we can get to the point where we can say, here's an individual, we've seen this pattern, we need you, we can send you an alert through your monitor through our through the app through whatever. I think that's, that's where we see AI playing a tremendous role. It's already in place. When you look at ECGs, EKGs in the US, but ECGs, there is, you know, AI at play there with some devices where they they recognize we're seeing some irregular activity and we know this is the the precursor to an event and so it's working there can we get to that point with blood pressure that's that's certainly what we're aiming to do
1: and is the ai benchmarking against like all of the patient information they've got or is it benchmarking against what's normal for the individual or or some combination
0: right now in the early studies it's it's taking a look at what those parameters need to be. So we're like I said, we're we're just into it, you know, trying to organize things entered into the relationship, like I said, 18, 24 months ago. So there are it's a series of studies. So we're taking one step at a time to to figure out what really is going to be impactful, where we can Garner those data points and and then how we utilize them, but I think what's what's interesting from from the Omron perspective is that we set these targets out every ten years for ourselves so we have we have these stretch targets so it, by the time we get to twenty thirty we want to be at a point where where we are working on identifying what those what those things can be what those parameters are for something that is much more preventive in nature and not just caring for people who have already suffered an event or where something's already been identified? How do we get to the point where we see it coming?
1: So seeing as you, you're a marketing person, talk to me about adoption of these technologies and sort of penetration of the market, meaning physicians, but also what you can glean from that about consumer adoption of what you're doing.
0: Well, physicians are responsible for influencing about 70% of the purchases made for a home blood pressure monitor. Either there was a high reading in the office and the care, care team said, You know, we're, we're seeing a a trend here that we don't like. We think it's time for you to, to purchase a monitor. Something happening in the physician's office is influencing 70% of, of the purchases. And we're, we're fortunate in the U S. Omron is the number one doctor and pharmacist recommended brand of blood pressure monitors and Omron globally. If I go back to September of 22, we sold our 300th 300 million blood pressure monitor globally that those numbers put us in in the number one position globally as a provider of home home blood pressure monitors so all sorts of great things working in our favor i think you know so penetration rate in in u.s households it's it's less than 50 percent. but oddly enough that is the number of u.s adults who suffer hypertension we've got 116 million us adults that are Hmm. hypertensive and there's a fair number of them that don't even know it and there's 37 percent of that 116 million that don't have it under control so sheer measuring of blood pressure is Hmm. one of the things that helps keep patients under control we have heard when we've done research with physicians the number one complaint they have about people that that are under their care, that they're not taking medication Mm. as prescribed, you know, and I, I, I take this opportunity. Anytime I have a a chance to talk to people like you, Michael, or, or others. Oftentimes, we're asked about who our competition is. And I will tell you, it's not another manufacturer or brand of blood pressure monitors. It's ignorance and apathy. So the opportunity to speak to you, to have a booth at the Consumer Electronics Show like we did just a month ago, to, to to talk to the media, to get our story out, to tell people that they need to be monitoring. That's all part of, you know, the mission of going for zero that that we just talked about. But I think the the idea of the adoption rate, the household penetration of blood pressure monitors falls well short of the number of people who really need them.
1: Yeah, you have fifty percent. You want to make sure it's the right fifty percent.
0: Exactly. <laughs> so,
1: what's next with all of this? Particularly because we just seem to have this acceleration of technology and the you know massive impact that it's having on providers. Some of whom are feeling overwhelmed, frankly, uh, uh, in terms of the ones that we've talked to. But what do you, what do you see happening next in remote monitoring technology at home care?
0: i th- I think right now one of the things that we're we're really happy to to talk about is vitalight It is our remote patient monitoring service focused on hypertension management. The great thing is that it's it integrates directly into the patient's e m r right so we work within the existing workflow of the care team, so that to me is of benefit and I think if whatever the technology is in the future it has to work into the existing workflow it's got to work it's got to be supported by the likes of medicare or or the private insurance payers, and and it, because that's how our health system works so we can't go rogue and develop a technology that's going to be outside of those parameters and have adoption and i think that's that's really critical so we make it a point to to address not only what are the patient needs at home because that's where the majority of our blood pressure monitors are but i think looking more broadly it's making sure that there is a dialogue that that can continue between patient and care team and and work within the existing parameters but i think you know from a pure technology perspective we're focused on um afib and other arrhythmias so ecg technology is something that we've got built into one of our blood pressure monitors three and a half years ago we launched complete it is a combination ecg and upper arm blood pressure monitor in one it utilizes on connect an app that we're that we've invested more into, it's free, it uses, it works with any one of our connected blood pressure monitors today and our connected scales and and all sorts of other stuff. But what that does is it, it kind of works within the patient's workflow. I'm never without my phone, right? (laughs) You know, before we started, you asked me to make sure it was silenced because that thing goes off all the time, right. and I think you know, working with physicians in their workflow, people, patients within their workflow. How do we make it easier for people to to gather the data, share the data? But then, you know, like I said, ECG is something we we know that AFib. If you if you go with the the data that's available, it's estimated there's about six million U.S. adults that have AFib. And a bunch of them don't know it because it's an irregular heartbeat right so how do we put the technology into the hands of the people so that when they're feeling off they've they've got the this available to them as a a tool to help identify things as opposed to having to make that trip to the doctor's office or the hospital for an ecg and get it read and, and that sort of thing this is something that's easily available to people today and i think if you if you look at what We know is happening with COVID hospitalizations. We know that 5% of the people coming out of the hospital after being there as a result of COVID are diagnosed with AFib. Wow. Okay. So now we've got all sorts of other things, long COVID, et cetera. We don't know how some of these things are impacting. Our systems you know think think back three years ago what did we know about COVID? everyone thought it was purely a respiratory we knew nothing <laughs> and then the early indications were it was a, a respiratory yeah. disease and now it's you multi-system, know multi-system really it's multi-system you know playing havoc with with all sorts of stuff so i think the the technology that we've got today will continue to evolve we want to try to support the consumer population, because they are the health citizens, what can we do to arm them with better information to to continue those all important conversations with their with their care teams and so we we view that as you know close in it's getting the word out that you really need a blood pressure monitor because if fifty percent of the u s adult population has hypertension, you know. I look at the two of us; it's one of us, <laughs> statistically speaking. More likely me. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> but I think then, following that, it's 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 certainly from a close-in standpoint. This AFib and other arrhythmias that that we know go hand in hand with with heart health, where where we are focused. But then, preventive what. What is it going to be that kind of tips the scales and says this is something that is allowing us to to predict those things? Because we we want to be of assistance. We know that clinicians are suffering from burnout. There's a shortage. There's you know all sorts of things. So how do we how do we make it easier for those that are in the field today do what it is they do so well? We're not going to make decisions for them. We want to support the decision-making that that they are making on behalf of their patients.
1: Well, it is such an interesting and expanding area. And I'm sure if we talked a year from now, there'd be more news, you know, about what's happening with the tech and I hope adoption of it. I'm feeling that most of us are going to end up with some kind of medical technology, monitoring technology in our homes. We have it on our phones already, right? Exactly. Um, Unfortunately, we're out of time. I have to leave it there. But I want to thank you so much, uh, Carol, for being with us today and giving us a peek into this really interesting space.
0: I appreciate the opportunity, Michael. Thanks so much.
1: I'm Michael Carice. Thanks for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to raise the line and strengthen the healthcare system. We're all in this together.
0: If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our episodes at osmosis.org raise the line podcast.